Welcome to the family here on Purple Mafia. I'm your host, Paladino Joey, or Joey Awajan. Purple Mafia is available on thesportstuff.com, iTunes, Stitcher, and Double Twist. Well, we're back for some regular season football. It's great to be back once again. Here we are, week number one. Had a bit of a scare in this one, but the Vikings end up winning 25-16 in a very wild, wacky, unpredictable, all-over-the-place, God-knows-what-the-hell-happened type of game. Yeah. Ah, Tale of Two Halves, there's like a million, well, not a million, but there's several titles you could have for this episode. There's Tale of Two Halves, which probably could be used about a quadrillion times over the course of a football career, a podcasting career, or television, whatever the heck career you have out there. Uh, then there's Escaping the Trap this time around, because like the first game trap against the non-playoff team, like the Vikings fell into the trap last season, getting crushed by the 49ers on Sunday Night Football last season. Well, this year... Minnesota looked like they were going to be crushed in the trap, but they did escape it, so that was cool. But I decided uh, to name this uh, first episode of 2016 regular season, well, week one, uh, I decided to call it Ball Hawks. Hawks. Not Hogs, Hawks. Because the Vikings were Ball Hawks today. And uh, they really took advantage of it in a massive, 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 massive way. Very exciting indeed. So that's kind of obviously the main feature of the show, the most exciting part going to be tough to pick a player of the game but then again we'll 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 try to center in on somebody here as we end this segment it'll be a typical regular season show but of course we're going to add a little twist at the end of the first segment it'll be three segments of course first segment's the game review second segment is the nfc north preview and the preview of the uh the next week and of course segment number three the good old-fashioned fan interaction But at the end of segment number one, I will throw in a new bit that I've been promising for quite a while. (laughs) George stories. Yes, the the funny stories of my past, you know, just little one-minute bits. Just to throw in, just something to look forward to each week. You'll know what it is when when you hear it (laughs) coming up. So let's get to the game review. Again, the Vikings win 27-16 over the Tennessee Titans. In Tennessee, yes, in Nissan Stadium, Nissan Stadium. There's so many different stadiums and the names change and naming rights are different, this and that. But yes, it's Nissan Stadium over there in Tennessee. Looked like a scary place for us. Looked like we were going to have a very, very frustrating week. In fact, Tennessee still was ahead of the Vikings in several statistics. Overall, 19 first downs to 15. Total yards of 316 to Vikings 301. Time of possession, 30-25 to Vikings 29-35. Okay, they're kind of close. They're not that bad. Um, Third down efficiency, kind of similar. Tennessee is actually a little better, which drove us absolutely nuts throughout the entire game. I mean, the defense in this game, even though it saved our asses, particularly in the second half, (laughs) <laughs> and occasionally show slowing the Titans down in the first half, so it wasn't a complete blowout, like a big lead for the Titans in the first half. Keeping them down to 10, which made me feel semi-comfortable, albeit very annoyed. Um, they gave up several first, uh, first downs in the third down in this one. There wasn't a single fourth down in the entire game, or at least an attempted fourth down. 8 of 14 for Tennessee, 6 of 14 for the Vikings. Uh, you know, it just kind of is what it is. You have a backup quarterback in there for the Vikings. You have a very athletic, talented quarterback of the Tennessee Titans in uh, in uh, Mariota, Marcus Mariota. Um, boy, he's pretty athletic. He's pretty good. And obviously, you knew he was going to be. He was such a talent with the Oregon Ducks years ago. And you just couldn't wait for him to come in the draft. I was always hoping the Vikings would get him. But, well, you know, things he- headed the way they did. We ended up getting Teddy Bridgewater late in the first round. And that was a good deal. Um, but ultimately, there we are. Uh, 
the Vikings ended up solving Mariota later in the game. Let's just get to the first half here before I screw up too much. Not so much efficiency. Uh, Sean Hill never really looked bad in this game, to be honest. But he never was spectacular. I mean, the mobility was kind of in and out. Luckily, he kind of helped Blair Walsh get a second field goal in the game. to uh, Make his second field goal in the game. <laughs> but again, just the first half in general. Frustrating beyond belief. It made all of us kind of think, what the hell's going on? Are we back into San Francisco again? Is it the same old thing just like last year? And it sure looked that way. Looked like Mariota was going to have his way with us. DeMarco Murray, just, just, ah. Oh. I mean, it's like, wait a minute, I thought he was still with the Jaguars. No, he's with the Titans. And I do apologize for not even bringing him up in the preview last week, but I was so busy doing the season preview and such. But uh, I should have mentioned his name. I knew he's there, but it just didn't come out of my mouth. And I do apologize for that. Uh, he definitely was a threat, but later on, he kind of, well, he kind of, kind of let the Titans down a bit. He kind of did an Adrian Peterson in a playoff game type of deal. Didn't really hang on to the ball when he needed to at times. But uh, again, the first half, it just felt like it was going to be a nightmare the whole way. I mean, they were complete. They were getting those third downs. You just couldn't believe the tackling was just awful. Oh, the angles were bad. Uh, Eric Kendricks, a guy who I, you know, you'd think would be an easy choice for Fran Tarkenton Award in today's game. But some of the tackles he missed earlier in the in the game just drove me nuts. It makes me not want to give it to him. Same with just about everybody else on the defense. It was just so frustrating. Um, I couldn't believe some of those missed tackles and some of the angles that were taken. And just guys wide freaking open. Uh, Trey Waynes was beat early, but it just seems like he settled down after a couple of not-so-good uh, plays. Because you know what? Defensive backs are going to get beat. They're going to get beat. It's It's bound to happen, obviously. You're never going to be a perfect defensive back and knock away every pass and deny every catch. It's, I mean, every cornerback is going to get beat off and on throughout any game even. I mean, they might have a great game, but then the next week maybe they'll get beat here and there. I mean, nobody's perfect. <laughs> Richard Sherman gets beat. Deion Sanders got beat. Everybody gets beat. That's just, that's just the way it goes. I mean, even the best defenders in the NBA, they give up points too. It's just, I mean, it's just the nature of the beast. I mean, it's Murphy's Loss. Somebody's going to score at some point, right? <laughs> Though it looked like the Vikings weren't going to score. I mean, you saw an offense that was a nap. You saw Adrian Peterson, where it was the old two, two yards in a cloud of dust, over and over and over. And I really need to bring that soundbite back. I probably have it somewhere. Doggone it, the old da 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 I always love to play that from Castlevania Three. It's a perfect soundbite for uh, the, the old two yards in a cloud of, uh, cloud of dust deal. That was a definite issue with Adrian Peterson throughout the entire game. And Adrian started this way last year, too. Um, in fact, he had very minimal carries against San Francisco. But still, it was a situation quite similar where he couldn't really get anywhere. Hopefully, it's just uh, similar to last year where he's just kind of rusty. Obviously, last year he was extremely rusty. But hey, he didn't play in a pre single preseason game or anything. A bit rusty. Hadn't played in a single game in forever. So, that kind of these things do happen. So, we just have to hope that Adrian can kind of get things going again against the hated Packers next Sunday night. Very bright lights in, the, in U.S. Bank Stadium. That's segment number two. I'm bouncing everywhere. But that's how it's going to go. Uh, first half, unwatchable football. You, you just wanted to throw a brick at the TV. I couldn't stand it, and I couldn't wait till my typical little I go outside for during halftime break. That's what I, I mean. I always do it. I couldn't wait to get outside, especially when I saw DeMarco Murray flip right over the Viking defender. Drove me absolutely nuts. Absolutely nuts. I believe it was Trey Waynes. I apologize. I couldn't remember exactly who the defender was on that play. But just flipped right over him. It was like, oh, whatever. Bleep you. 
Ten nothing Titans with 47 seconds left in the quarter. <sighs> it just was uh, it just was extremely frustrating. You thought things were you, you you thought we were screwed, and you saw Blair Walsh miss multiple attempts, and the Vikings finally got into some type of field goal range. I mean, they finally got into something of field goal range, and you see Blair Walsh miss on a. I mean, it's a 56 yarder and everything. We get that. But then he missed it again, and it's just like whatever. And he missed on a thirty, uh, he missed on a thirty-seven yarder in in the same in the same same first half. It's just you just watch it. See the fifty-six yarder; it's far away, sure. But it was, of course, the first one was called during a timeout. Okay, he missed it. He shanked it way way off. He hooked it to the uh, to to the left, to the left. Not not. I mean, it was his left, not not the TV's left. If you get the idea. <sighs> But then, okay, he gets another chance. Ha ha. Maybe you guys blew it now. You blew an opportunity. Now he's going to nail it. No, he kicked it even worse. And it's like you're just watching. And, and you can't believe how awful this guy is becoming. I mean, it, it's never going to come out of him, is it? I mean, it's like three attempts, only two official. But he missed them both. Just terrible, terrible kicks. 37 yards. Oh, come on, man. You got to make it. I don't care if the wind's at your face. It can't be that bad. It's not 40 below out there. Come on. <laughs> that type of deal. Um... But it had all of us basically up in arms. Get this SOB out of here because he's going to kill us in a playoff game again. And and it, you can't waste promising seasons. Windows close. Windows close, just like roads closed. And he wasn't available in this game, unfortunately, giving Trey Waynes an opportunity to start and you know play play the entire game basically. Um, and he had a pretty he had a pretty good game, by the way, though he was targeted and picked on by Mariota early. But it ended up costing Mariota later on, luckily, uh, for the most part. <clears throat> but uh, Blair Walsh, ultimately frustrating as all hell. The guy can't make anything, at least so it appeared. And then, luckily, he was able to get it together, for the most part, and nail a 50-yarder after a really nice kick return to start the second half. You know, it's like, okay, you know they're going to come make some adjustments in the first and the second half, and they're going to come out with some more urgency. And they absolutely did. The Vikings came out with an incredible amount of urgency to the tune of 25 consecutive points. But very few of them were on offense. In fact, well, <laughs> well, the first one you could definitely credit Cordero Patterson because Blair Wall, or Blair Walsh, uh, Sean Hill basically was three and out after that. And Blair Walsh was able to make a 50-yarder. It was a beautiful return of 61 yards, by the way, for your buddy Cordero Patterson, who actually played some wide receiver today. That was kind of cool to see, actually. Uh, another notable was missing. We'll get back to that, but Blair Walsh nails the 50-yard. So it's like, okay, cool. We'll be fine, right? We'll be fine. That's good. And then <laughs> after more than three and outs between the couple teams, frustrating drives. Vikings defense playing more more stingy again. Mike, Mike Zimmer defense is supposed to play. Not like the first freaking half. And the Vikings got out another one. They just could not get far enough. Blair Walsh was able to nail a 33-yarder. Thank God for that. That was very helpful. 33-yarder ultimately six to make it six to ten, six to ten. The Vikings still trail, and then when Tennessee has the ball back and they're ready to make a play, they get a first down, and then it looks like they're on the verge of making a big play. But Eric Kendricks leaps up and just he just took over that passing lane from Marcus Mariota. And took it the distance, 77 yards to Pater. Just spectacular. Absolutely awesome. Um, and I said, that's a game-changing play right there. That's a game-changer. I just knew it. Uh, 12 to 10, and it's like, yeah, okay, you're only up by two points, and we haven't been playing that great. 
And the best part about that whole situation is the fact that, well, 12 to 10, wait a minute, why is it 12 to 10? Because Blair Walsh missed the extra point. Are you bleeping kidding me? So it's one thing you miss a 37-yarder. You miss a 56-yarder twice, kind of. Well, yeah, you did miss it twice. Yeah, you did. We'll only count one of them, though, because only one of them was an official kick and all that. You got two tries to make it, but you missed them both. But it's 56 yards. Come on. You know, that's that's too far. That would have been a career high. Sure. But you missed an extra point, dude. You missed an extra point. Just like, yeah, you know, just like the kick you missed in the playoff game. And basically, I agree with every single one of you that was up in arms at that moment and said, get this SOB off this team. This has to be his last game on this team because he's going to cost us. He is going to cost us big. I mean, you know, I, honest to God, don't have faith in this guy right now. Yes, he can make the 50-yarder. He made the 45-yarder early in the fourth quarter, which was great. We appreciate that. Thank you. After the Vikings gained some more yardage again. Got down the field after some great passes from Blair Walsh to Stefan Diggs. Great plays. I mean, they were just, you know, fantastic. That was particularly later on. That was like the one that iced it. Um, but uh, 45-yarder from Blair Walsh, thank you very much. Making it 15-10 to 10 made us a little bit more comfortable. And then another big game-changer. But this one, you know, there it, it's a little different in terms of it, yes, it's a game. It's a game-breaking play, but it was more of the the, the 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 Titans' fault ultimately. It was the old Favre and Peterson at the goal line, circa 2009 NFC Championship game. Yeah, remember that, where they just couldn't complete the exchange. It was just going to be a handoff to Demarco Murray from Marcus Mariota, and the the just the exchange never happened. And then Daniel Hunter, I keep trying. Everybody keeps trying to call him Danielle Hunter. No, it's Daniel Hunter, who I praised greatly on the last episode and. There isn't a soul who doesn't like this guy. I mean, he has just such a wonderful career ahead of him. Defensive tackle, the Neil Hunter. Just absolutely awesome. Um, recovers the fumble and then goes to Pater. It was a fumble six. He had the pick six out of Eric Kendricks earlier. Now you got the fumble six out of Daniel Hunter. All the way to the end zone, and Blair Walsh made the extra point. It was right down the pipe, just like the 45-yarder. <sighs> Does that make you feel better? Does it? A little bit. A little bit. <laughs> And the Titans continue to struggle. Good defense again by the Vikings. Just You could just see the confidence from Mariota, DeMarco Murray. DeMarco Murray, of course, uh, let out a big giant F-bomb after he fumbled that ball. And Daniel Hunter was celebrating in the end zone. You could see the F-bomb. He was pretty pissed off and frustrated. But uh, after the, the Titans could just, again, could not get the job done, and the Vikings defense was strong, you saw, like you saw, the, pretty much the whole game. The guy who's absolutely going to be the, the leading receiver on this on this roster uh, eclipsed the century mark for only the second time in his career. Believe it or not, he tied a career high in yardage in this game. Just a spectacular performance by Stefan Diggs. Seven catches, nine targets, one hundred and three yards, no touchdowns. But you saw a, a drive that was going fairly well. I mean, Adam Thielen throughout the game, making nice plays. Kyle Rudolph making nice plays. Rudolph helped the Vikings get into field goal range earlier in the game. And the uh, uh, 37-yard field goal attempt, you saw uh, uh, Sean Hill actually scamper for a, for a couple extra yards. That was cool. It, it helped. I mean, why not? You get It turned it into a 33-yarder instead of a 37-yarder. See, now I'm getting this all mixed up with all these different kicks. They're a little bit... Ugh. Yep, it was a 33-yarder. It would have been 40. 
So that helped the Vikings kind of continue to inch closer at that point. Um, it was nice to see. Nice little six-yard run by Sean Hill. A nice little help. <laughs> but Stefan Diggs, again, nine, uh, nine targets, seven catches. He's the top guy, and Kyle Rudolph's the number two receiver overall on the roster. But Adam Thielen, the number two guy out of the receivers at this stage. Charles Johnson was targeted six times, only caught the ball once, five yards total. Now, there was an opportunity, multiple opportunities in this game for Charles Johnson to have some big plays. And some of you out there watching this game might think that Sean Hill missed him. And maybe he did a little bit. Maybe he did. And he uh, he overthrew Kyle Rudolph at one point. But many of many people out there will tell you Charles Johnson misread the play a bit. That he wasn't in the proper position. Multiple times he wasn't in the proper position to make a play. There was one, one play where he wasn't squared up and he just fell. He slipped. And the announcers made that assessment very quickly. Charles Johnson just did not seem to have his head in the game. And it happened time and time again. I mean, he had five plays that were not completed. He only had a five-yard completion in this game. You can hate me all you want for not being a giant fan of the guy, but I'm still not a giant fan of Charles Johnson. I'm still not. Uh, A guy that was noticeably missing in this game was (laughs) not only Jarek McKinnon because because the whole running game was pretty much stifled the entire game. Poor guy. (laughs) Poor guy, Jarek McKinnon. But he got in there a little bit. But uh, Laquan Treadwell... Couldn't find him with a searchlight. Never saw the field today. Never saw the field today. And certainly wasn't targeted either, much less was targeted. Um, but Charles Johnson, he might end up losing some of those uh, snaps to Laquan Treadwell. Not because Treadwell's better, necessarily. He should be better, though. The bottom line, he should be better. <laughs> I'm not buying the Charles Johnson hype, man. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. People can tell me to, to GTFO or whatever the heck people want to say. My apologies, this is a family show, so I'm not going to explain what that means. (laughs) It's probably not a good idea, and I apologize to those of you that might not want to hear even that. But uh, Charles Johnson's not going to be the number two receiver long-term for this team. Uh, I don't see it, and yes, it's one game, and I do need to be quiet. And maybe Charles Johnson next week will be better. So I'm not ready to write him off and completely cut, cut ties or anything. I'm not ready to just ride him on the bench. And I know he was hurt last year. But his head was not in the game. You, you know, there were multiple opportunities for Charles Johnson to actually be the star of the game today. And he wasn't. Bottom line, point made. All right? <laughs> I'll say it one last time. There were multiple. I mean, Charles Johnson very easily could have been the star of this game. And he was not. Because he was not. his head was not in the game. Uh, Cordero Patterson made one catch for a couple, for six yards. It was nice to see him actually be a semi a part of things. And there was a nice little... Kind of a reverse type of play. He ended up with eight yards. It wasn't really a reverse. It was just a handoff. It was cool to see. You might see Cordero Patterson get mixed in a bit more. But again, his true value is that kickoff return. And he's just fantastic. And that's why he's on the roster, despite the fact, you know, he, he, there's another guy whose head hasn't been in the game the past three years. But it looks like it looks like he's coming around a tiny, teeny, tiny bit. An ultra-talented individual who might end up Maybe he'll be the one that will uh, unseat Charles Johnson. Not necessarily be the number two receiver, but um, maybe, well, if if and when Laquan Treadwell rises up to it, it'll be a number two or number three guy, that uh, Cordero Patterson is the guy that will stick around as well to be a number two or number three guy. And then Charles Johnson gets phased downward and outward later on. That might not happen at all this year. Maybe Johnson will emerge and be the guy you all seem to like. But his sample size, even in his best season, was not as good as some people are making it out to be. I mean, 
Really? It was like two touchdowns, 400 yards? I mean, slow your roll, guys. Slow your roll. Please, slow your roll. Lim- you know, I mean, it's limited. Stefan Diggs, plain as day. He's the best receiver on the roster. And anyone that wants to argue that, well, <laughs> you're going to lose. You lost the argument. Facts speak for themselves. Um, so there you go. Wonderful overall performance. That was kind of like the, the game breaker right there when Daniel Hunter got that. And then Briller Walsh kind of sealed the deal with a 35-yard, 30-yarder, pardon me, after making his extra point, uh, Blair Walsh kind of sort of sealed the deal. 30 yards, that was after the Stefan Diggs deep play. Blair Walsh right down the pipe, and then Tennessee adds what some people would call a garbage touchdown, but not really, because if they made the two-point conversion, things would have been very interesting. But they were too reliant on DeMarco Murray today. You, you know, you can't keep going to the same guy over and over and over and over again, because it's just not going to work out. Just like the Vikings going to Adrian Peterson over and over and over and over again. It was like two or three plays in a row. They tried to go to they tried to hand the ball off to Adrian, and it was just not productive. It just was the two yard and cloud of ducks. You can't keep doing that. So Tennessee went to Mariota after scoring after he was able to get Demarco Murray uh, his second touchdown of the game. Both receptions, by the way, for Demarco Murray, not runs. Um, put this. Uh, Put the Titans within nine. Then a two-point conversion would have made it a seven-point game with 32 seconds left. You got that whole onside kick crap. Anything could happen. Blah, blah, blah. But it didn't work out because they went to Mariota again, like I just said. Game over. We'll see you Sunday night. <laughs> we will see you Sunday night. So there you go. 25-16. Very fun ordeal for the Vikings, but scary as well at times. DeMarco Murray, boy, oh, boy. He's uh it's like he's, 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 he's a mixed bag, isn't he? Very talented, but kind of all over the place. Um, frustrating situation for him. He fumbled twice in the game, actually, believe it or not. <laughs> fumbled twice in the game. They credited the first one to Mariota, which is kind of mean, but uh, he kind of can. It's uh, He was a part of two fumbles in the game, which is just, again, how it goes, I suppose. Um, Trey Waynes led the team in tackles, all solo, but again, he was targeted, particularly early on. Harrison. Smith was absolutely fantastic at the entire game. Terrence Newman was strong as well. I think he's still a starting cornerback in this league, despite the fact he's 38 years old. He's the only Viking on the roster that's older than me. Yeah, I mean, Cullen Leffler's gone, so there it is. The only Viking left that's older than me. Chad Greenway's not older than me. <laughs> no, he's not. Eric Kendrick's strong, despite a slow start. Linval Joseph was awesome. Added another stack in the game. Just a great... I mean, he got stronger and stronger as the game progressed. Anderson Dehu was strong. In the game, Daniel Hunter, Daniel Hunter, you can just see it coming. He's going to be a stud in this league. He added a sack, which pushed the Titans way, way, way back and helped the Vikings kind of ice things late in the game there in that fourth quarter. That was great. Uh, Griffin, for the most part, was good. He had a dumb issue early, though, with the, or later on with a penalty. Anthony Barr, not as visible. Eric Hendricks, it seems like every, it seems like Hendricks during the course of last season seemed to get more tackles than Barr. It seemed like he's almost getting to him quicker, but... Anthony Barr will obviously be fine. He'll have his moments uh, as the season progresses. Uh, definitely definitely not doubting that. Um, happy with uh, how things are going. I mean, even Adam Thielen with a couple of special teams tackles. I mean, you saw him happen. I mean, he made a nice stop there all by himself during the course of that one. Stopped what could have been a pretty dangerous return, actually, <laughs> in that sense. But, uh, yeah, no turnovers from Sean Hill. He... Did a good job. Um, the completion ratio, not very high. But when you have guys like Charles Johnson, who could have made both of their numbers, Sean Hills and his numbers, extremely high today, if he was if his head was more in the game. 
you're going to have a lower completion percentage than maybe it should have been. Uh, 54.5, 18 of 33 at the end of the day. Quarterback rating 77.3. Almost was intercepted in the second quarter, but throughout the game, very steady, very strong. Sean Hill show, even showing a little bit of an arm strength here and there. Not bad. Um, he, he, he is a deserving number two quarterback. I mean, a lot of us were scared about that during the preseason, but well, you know what? We're happy to have him. We're lucky to have him if he's going to play like that. Good job. Good job, Sean Hill. Good job indeed. Uh, so let's pass out the awards, shall we? The Fran Tarkenden Award is going to go to... I'm going to give it to Daniil Hunter. What a stud son of a gun. It's his first ever Fran Tarkenden Award. It's going to go to Daniil Hunter. Eric Hendricks could easily have gotten it, but he had some gaffes early on. Daniil Hunter kind of sealing the deal on this one. He stuck the dagger in. You know, I, you can, I, I'm, I'm going to give a co-Fran Tarkington to Eric Hendricks because that was a game-changing play. I mean, when he jumped that freaking route, it changed the entire game. It changed everything. It made Marcus Mariota go from confident, got that, he had that swagger, and he just ripped that heart right out of the son of a gun, and it, it never came back. I mean, you never saw the same look on, on Marcus Mariota's face after that play. So I will give a co-award uh, to the two guys who had pick six, who had a pick six and a fumble six in this one, Daniil Hunter and Eric Hendricks. Congratulations in that sense. And who do you think the Christian Ponder Award is going to go to? Yes, we changed it from the Tavares Jackson Memorial to the Christian Ponder Memorial, even though maybe watch him blow up with the 49ers. Just watch. <laughs> but the Niners suck, so, well... He, who knows? At least he, at least he's back in the NFL. Congratulations to Christian Ponder, but to this point, he's one of the great disappointments in Vikings history. So Blair Walsh is going to get that award for today. He gets the Christian Ponder Memorial. My God, he looked terrible. But yeah, he made some kicks later on. That's nice, and we deeply appreciate the makes, but those misses were terrible. They were so bad, and it scares the living crap out of us as we get further and further into the regular season. So there you go. That'll be the end of segment number one. I hope it wasn't too crazy. <laughs> Back to reviewing games again. It's been a while. I made Rin Peterson like I got tackled a couple of times, I think. But um, hopefully you didn't notice, right? <laughs> no, I'm just messing around. Uh, hopefully you didn't notice. But yeah, we'll uh, wrap things up and you'll hear the very first ever George story right after this. Another installment of George Stories. This is definitely the oldest George story I'm going to mention. It's back. It's in the dateless past or so. Generally, I'll have a you know like a circa this year or so, but this one's maybe '86, something like that. It's it's a ways back when we were very young. Uh, my mom and dad had a hair salon back in the day, up until like the mid 2000s or so, but from late 70s to the 2000s, something like that. Actually, even to the back into the 60s and such, but. Uh, Anyhow, uh, <laughs> my mom's driving was never so great. It just wasn't. She was never very confident behind the wheel. And my dad, well, he would always kind of like tell people about it. And one time he was telling one of his clients, Donna, she drive on walk side. Yeah. We all, we, do, you, do you know what he was trying to say? That would be sidewalk. Oops. That one kind of bit him, didn't it? <laughs>
And we are back here on Purple Mafia, segment number two. Time to do the NFC North review and preview the following week here with the Green Bay Packers. It's Packer week already to get things going with the U.S. Bank Stadium and a regular season football game on Sunday Night Football. It doesn't get to be a better place to introduce your new stadium than Sunday Night Football, does it? So, fantastic. Uh, so, let's start off with probably the weakest game, I would say. The Chicago Bears, our, our, our new hometown, me and none, I guess. No, <laughs> at, least for, at least for a short time. <laughs> they visited Houston NRG Stadium and lost 23-14. to Not the best performance by the Chicago Bears. They had a seven nothing lead at one point. Ultimately, though, by uh, well, by the by the end of the half, they still had a lead. They were kind of like the Tennessee Titans, I guess, in that sense. But uh, Brock Osweiler and the Houston Texans prefer, uh, performed strongly in the second half. Kind of a slightly tail of two halves. The Houston Texans really took over, scoring thirteen points more, particularly in that third and four. Well, yeah, in the second half of the game. Outscoring the Bears just like that. The Bears never saw the end zone again. Brock Osweiler pretty strong in his first start with the Houston Texans. I almost called them the Oilers. Sorry. Two touchdowns, one interception, a quarterback rating of 81.1, 80, 89.1, it's, uh, 231 yards. And Jay Cutler with a Jay Cutler-like performance. His usual low hundred, low 200s and one interception, one touchdown, and quarterback rating 76.2, only 216 yards in the game. Chicago did not have a forte out there today. That didn't help. Jeremy Langford was all right. Average, 3.4 yards per carry, 57 yards in the game. But he did get in the end zone in that first half, putting the Bears ahead at that stage, whereas Lamar Miller, stronger for Houston. He did see more carries, but overall 106 yards on the ground. Even Brock Osweiler rushed for 14 along the way. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey, strong, strong performance for him, 105 yards for him. Will Fuller, 107 for the Houston Texans. Uh, strong performance overall for Houston today. Very uh, encouraging because, I mean, you, you go with a guy like Brock Osweiler, I mean, he, he can play. He, he did a good job for Denver last year, helping them uh, secure that number one seed, and they thanked him by giving the starting job back to Peyton Manning, I guess. I mean, that's just how it goes sometimes. But he got some money now. He got some money, and he's played, he's got his own club, and they're up to 1-0 start, and the Bears look shaky. Look mediocre at best at this stage. And that's just kind of how it goes. Uh, Eddie Royal was the other receiver that was decent in the game. He was the one that actually got in the end zone for uh, Jay Cutler's only touchdown attempt in this one. The Bears just look kind of, ah, you know, nothing special. Nothing special. And former Bears kicker Robbie Gold is available should the Vikings want to make a move on Blair Walsh. So there you go. But even Robbie Gold's a bit inconsistent as well. But maybe he's better than uh, maybe he's better than what the Vikings have at this stage in Blair Walsh. Mm, we'll just have to let things kind of go as they as they do with that. Not all too impressed with the Bears so far. Uh, they're off to an 0-1 start, and that's a, that's a shame. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if they pick things up as things continue. They are my second favorite NFC North team, which isn't saying a whole lot because I hate the NFC North, obviously, other than the Vikings. No, I, no, I love our division because it's so classic. And, and it's all these classic teams. You'd never want to see any of them move out of the current city there. And you'd just, that would be terrible. And I don't think it would ever happen. How about those Detroit Lions? Since the Vikings play Green Bay, I get to cheat a little bit. The preview will kind of go with the review with Green Bay in their opening victory. Mm, doggone it. But Detroit, with a very dramatic uh, victory over Indianapolis, they they were Indianapolis is all over the place, man. What what a mess of a team! Uh, Thirty nine to thirty five victory for the Detroit Lions on the road. 
Jim Caldwell going against his old club, and, uh, well, it worked out well for him. Detroit started very strong in the game. Indianapolis made a uh, made a raging comeback in that fourth quarter, but Detroit hung on and got the job done when it mattered most. Eight seconds remaining after a nice, strong drive by Detroit. 43-yarder from Matt Prater. Andrew Luck guiding the, the Colts to a lead for the first time in the entire game. <laughs> I mean, it took the longest time for the Colts to gain the lead. They had it for the shortest time, and they lost it right away after the, the Lions were able to drive with 43 seconds remaining. Crazy. Uh, Matthew Stafford, very strong performance for him. Just absolutely outstanding. I mean, quarterback quarterback rating 128.6, completed about 80% of his passes, 31 of 39, 340 yards. Andrew Luck, similar, not quite as accurate, but more pass attempts. Quarterback rating about 124, touchdowns, zero interceptions. A very epic battle by two teams here. Andrew Luck, if he can continue this, I mean, the Colts might be in business. Uh, but Matthew Stafford really lit up that Colts defense. He did a hell of a job. And if the Colts defense isn't gonna gonna be showing up for the, uh, isn't gonna be showing up on Sundays, they're screwed anyway. Uh, Detroit's passing game just wonderful. Uh, Marvin Jones Jr. Well. He was targeted 10 times, only got four catches, yet still led the Lions in receptions. That's pretty funny. Amir Abdullah, all the more all the more uh, versatile for the Detroit Lions. Over 100 total yards in the game, 63 on the ground, and only 12 attempts. Five Over five yards a carry. Awesome. Theo Reddick, over six yards a carry, and he got in the end zone. 20-21 yard long for him in this one. Uh, Amir Abdullah, 57 yards reception, uh, catches, that is 57 yards <laughs> total, and he caught all of his targets, great, Golden Tate caught all of his seven, but very short yardages, but they were very helpful along the way, Anquan Bolden, Anquan Bolden, who wound up with the Detroit Lions with the late offseason signing, caught all three of his, uh, plays, they were all, in, you know, <laughs> just good, good timing for them, and Detroit, very helpful along the way, and they get the job done, despite 69 of you picking the Indianapolis Colts over the 31% picking the Lions in this game. Uh, very impressive victory for Jim Caldwell and the Lions. Maybe they won't be the last place team in this division. Maybe it is the Bears, but you always know Detroit and Chicago during the season there's always a seesaw battle. One of them's playing a lot better now and the other one sucks and now this one sucks and the other one's playing a lot better. That happened all last year. Expect to see more of the same this season, but talented players in both of the clubs in this one, um, but nice to see uh, Detroit win, even though you don't want them to win, it's ni- it's a, it's ni- it's kind of a feel-good for them anyway, it's nice for them to win the game, I'm not really afraid of them catching the Vikings at this stage, but maybe I should be, I, I don't know, you, you just never know, I mean, a couple of years ago, they were 11-5, and five, so don't forget that, but there is no Megatron, that's a huge loss. Matthew Stafford, though, maybe he has to really grow up now, because he doesn't have that top receiver anymore. So there you go. <laughs> Now's the time to grow up. If he plays like this, Vikings will definitely have their work cut out for him. And it, But uh, Mike Zimmer's defense will probably have Matthew Stafford wishing that, uh, yeah, <laughs> wishing he was playing just about anybody else, though, when when the time comes. Other than a miracle Hail Mary pass from Aaron Rodgers. Oh, that was annoying last year, wasn't it? But the Detroit Lions start 1-0, just like the Vikings. So we got a log jam in first place because we all... Know what happened in the other one? Green Bay defeats Jacksonville in Jaguar Land in Everbank Field. The other one was Lucas Oil Stadium, of course. Everybody's heard of that in Indianapolis. Uh, wow, this was a pretty fun game to watch for 
Packer fans anyway, right? No, no, I'm kidding. It was uh, it's nice to see the the uh, Jaguars and Blake Boulder Blake Bortles continuing to make strides, and that's what I predicted. Kind of like the I I I, I think they're going to be like this year's Raiders. I can see them being a six uh, a seven and nine ish type of team, six and ten at the minimum. They're going to at least win six games this year, which is a nice progress for this franchise who struggled forever. But I think they're going to be seven and nine, and I think they will be in the playoff hunt until fairly late in the season. Blake Bortles is a pretty good quarterback, and he showed it today. He had an interception, unfortunately, which was not helpful, but a 320-yard overall performance for him. Rodgers didn't have uh, Rodgers didn't have the greatest game of all time, but he was efficient for the most part. Not the highest completion percentage, and that was an issue last year as well. But Jacksonville's defense isn't the worst thing you ever saw. Two touchdowns, no interceptions, which is key for Aaron Rodgers not getting the interceptions, obviously. And Lacey was strong on the ground, averaging about four and a half a carry. Oh, Randall Cobb, always deadly, always getting those third down receptions, always getting those important ones. Jordy Nelson, only, I mean, he only had 32 yards and six catches, a lot of short yarded stuff, only an eight yard long for the day. The longest reception was eight yards, but he did get in the end zone which is obviously good for him. That was a six-yard catch. That wasn't even as long, which is pretty funny. Very, very short yardage performance for Jordy Nelson, still recovering from an ACL in his case. Oh, doggone, right? Mason Crosby with multiple chip shot field goals in this game. And uh, Blake Bortles, though, nice to see him emerge. It's nice to see the Jaguars hopefully come out of the junk heap of the NFL. Green Bay, well, when it comes to the Vikings next week, huh, well, I mean, they're all healthy. Randall Cobb is a dangerous guy, and he drives me crazy. He gets those big third-down receptions, those short yardage plays that can turn into, sometimes they can turn into a lot more. He had a 32-yard uh, play in this one, all, uh, unfortunately. Eddie Lacy's always been a thorn in the side for the Vikings. Oh, he's so powerful. He can always get through those third and four, third and three, third and two plays. This guy is a dangerous son of a gun. He only attempted four rushes in the game, but extremely efficient. In the time he was given, uh, Packers rush defense very strong against those Jaguars. I mean, T.J. Yeldon couldn't get anywhere. Average less than two yards a carry on 21 rushes, only 39 yards for him. Yet he did get in the end zone once, so good for him in that one. Uh, Devonte Adams also in the end zone for the Packers. All the same names here. I mean, Jordy Nelson uh, back, which is not good. Eddie Lacy still around, of course. James Starks, who's older, he's still around. The kind of a power running back. For the Packers, both of them are power running backs, really. Mason Crosby made all of his field goals, and the longest was 25 yards. That's pretty funny. <laughs> That's really funny. 25 yards is his longest. But, um, well, I mean, it's nice to see the Crackers struggle a little bit against the Jaguars, but unfortunately they finished the job. Um, they just did not, uh, the Packers just did not, uh, the, the Jaguars did not, were, were unable to finish the job. The Packers were. They were able to maintain their lead and not allow the Jaguars to come back and win this one. The Jaguars came back, kept it with the win four points with five minutes remaining, but nothing doing after that. So you've still got Claymaker and others. Julius Peppers was obviously super old, but still effective in on occasion. Latroy Guyon didn't get a sack, but he did get two tackles in the game. He's obviously a run stopper most of the time. Uh, but yeah, Sam Shields is still there. I mean, all these names. Mm-mm. Yep. So uh, Peppers did not get in this one, ultimately, for the Packers. Clay Mayo Matthews did have a sack in the game along with Nick Perry. You do have to you do have to worry about Clay Matthews. He can do so many different things for you. Ha ha. Clinton Dix is very deadly as well. One of the better safeties out there. 
Oh, man, he has really become a very good defensive back for the Packers. I wish the Vikings had him, but, well, you can't have everybody. Nice, promising secondary for the Vikings. I think the Vikings can beat the Packers, and you're probably going to see Sam Bradford in at quarterback. Um, you know, Sean Hill played well today. It, it's nice, and it's a good sign. It was nice. It's nice to know you have a legitimate backup quarterback who can win a game for you. And Sean Hill officially proved himself that he can do that. Now it's on Sam Bradford. Can he do something against this quirky Green Bay defense? This very beatable Green Bay defense, but dangerous Green Bay defense. They're kind of a home run defense where they're going to swing and miss at times. And when they swing and miss, you can make big plays. And hopefully Sam Bradford will be able to continue to do that. Will hopefully be able to do that. Continue what the Vikings kind of semi-started in the the fourth quarter, particularly with Stephon Diggs. Hopefully he will quickly develop a rapport with Stephon Diggs, him being Samuel Sam Bradford can uh, keep this going here because this if the with the Green Bay Packers defense swings and misses, then you're going to see Stephon Diggs in the end zone for a 50-yard gain or a 35-yard gain or whatever it is. Sam Bradford has a bit of an arm on him. He lacks mobility, but so does Sean Hill. And even Sean Hill rushed for a couple of yards that helped uh, get the uh, get Blair Walsh to 33 yards rather than 40. So anything can happen. Big moments. Quarterbacks sometimes are going to make a rush even they're, even if they're immobile. Even Tom Brady does it on occasion. <laughs> so, can the Vikings beat this team? I hope so. Uh, the Sunday night curse was beaten last year when the Vikings did beat the Packers to win the division last season. It was the most spectacular thing. It was beautiful. We finally ended the Sunday night curse. Hopefully the Vikings can continue this. And I don't think the Vikings are going to lose their first game in U.S. Bank Stadium. I, I just don't feel that. I think the this defense has gained some incredible confidence right now. After not looking so good in the first half, it was like they're they're rusty. A lot of them didn't get a whole lot of time in the preseason. You saw most of the backups getting tested to see who's going to be number two, who's going to be number three, and who's going to be, well, you know, third place is you're fired, fourth place is you're fired, if you know what I mean. (laughs) Like the famous movie, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Um, But uh, the the confidence of this defense has got to be outstanding right now. Uh, you're going against a very different quarterback here. Marcus Mariota is talented, but young and inexperienced, and he made a mistake. He made multiple mistakes after that, but uh, mostly mostly that big, big route deal. You're not going to see that as much from Aaron Rodgers, though. He, he <laughs> You can go to him into interceptions, because you can go to any quarterback into interceptions, and Rodgers has been capable of it, especially the last couple of years here. He's been throwing more interceptions at crazier times uh, on occasion, but uh, er, er, early in the season, Rodgers usually starts strong, and he did start strong against Jacksonville. That's the one fear that Rodgers is, uh, well, I mean, his efficiency rating will probably be fairly high in this one. They just really hope, I mean, it's all about, it's all about <laughs> pressuring Aaron Rodgers, and of course, hoping and praying that the, the defensive backs will be in position to knock the ball away, or d- deny the receivers the catch. Um, Jordy Nelson's mobility is not good right now. That's the good part, but Randall Cobbs, well, Randall Cobbs is still very much there. Devontae Adams has, has done a good job in uh, Jordy Nelson's stead during the last during last season. He did decent today, but there were four incompletions thrown Devontae Adams away in this game, so that is noticeable as well. Uh, stopping the run, huge issue today uh, at times. You know, DeMarco Murray didn't exactly run all over the Vikings, but boy, it felt like it at times. I mean, he was getting key third downs. 
he was just getting right through them, and it was extremely frustrating. And of course, uh, when Aaron Rodgers starts to run around out of the pocket, it, it's just it's just a nightmare. And the Vikings have always had trouble with that, despite how good the Vikings' defense is. Those running quarterbacks can really screw up the Vikings, so that's a huge fear again. Because Aaron Rodgers has been mobile since he got in the league. I mean, he's not the most mobile quarterback ever, but it's there. It's that very much there, and he even showed it in this one with four rushes for 16 yards, and he even got in the end zone in the game early on, unfortunately, for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, this is going to be a scary game. It's going to be a very fun game. It sounds like I'm going to pick a Vikings loss, doesn't it? <laughs> but in good faith, in good faith, I'm, I'm going to go with the victory in this one. The home game, the momentum, that type of thing. The the home opener with in U.S. Bank should help. And the confidence and momentum from this Vikings defense. I mean, right now, they probably feel like they can make the big play when need be. I mean, you you just hope they can stay they can stay home on their on the receivers and make the big plays and stop stop Aaron Rodgers as much as possible. The good news is his his accuracy has dropped off, and again, Jordy Nelson's lack of mobility will be a problem for the Green Bay Packers at this stage. Jordy Nelson's lack of ability to get free. Will you see Laquan Treadwell get his debut in this game? I say yes. Uh, that's my prediction. You will see your Laquan Treadwell at least be on the field in this one. Hopefully, he'll make his first catch. It would be great. Uh, you might see him make something. You might even see him make something happen in this one. You might see a 40-yard uh, game overall. Nothing spectacular, but maybe an important catch down the stretch on a third down or second down type of play that uh, keeps the chains moving. I can definitely see something like that in a very important moment in the third or fourth quarter. I could see that happening with Laquan Treadwell in this game. But Stefan Diggs and Sam Bradford are massive keys in this game. Obviously, stopping Aaron Rodgers is first and foremost at least containing Aaron Rodgers is first and foremost. Frustrating Aaron Rodgers, forcing him into incomplete passes and interceptions. And because obviously if the pass is incomplete, well, you're not going forward. You're just staying where you are and eventually you run out of downs. Common sense, ABC, kindergarten, preschool football there. But it is what it is. Um, when you have a quarterback that good, just simply <laughs> deny receivers the ball as best as possible. And that's the hope here. Um, Jacksonville did a decent job of it and they almost won the football game today more power to them. Uh, the Vikings are better than the Jaguars. Their defense is better. And I would hope Sam Bradford at this stage is better than Blake Bortles. I would hope so. Um, and I do think Sam Bradford will be motivated, ready to rock and roll. And of course he's motivated, just like any grown adult should be going into their first start of the season. And basically any game. <laughs> but uh, Adrian Peterson will have a better game, without a doubt. You got th- That's another factor. He's, you're going to get more of a running game. You're going to at least see 70, 80 yards out of Adrian, in my opinion. Hopefully he'll get in the end zone. Stefan Diggs, I think, will have a pretty strong performance. And you will see... You will see Laquan Treadwell make a, multiple catches in this one, in my opinion. And you'll see less of Charles Johnson, I think. <laughs> Anything could happen, but I think you will see less of Charles Johnson in this stage. I think they're, uh, Zimmer is an impatient guy with stuff like that. And I think, uh, and so is Norv Turner, by the way, who can definitely curse with the best of them. I think he was pissed off at uh, when, when they watched the video. I think they're going to be pretty ticked off at Charles Johnson. I think they already are at this stage. Uh, from from what they saw. So I'm going to come out with a Vikings victory. Uh, you know, all of us were like, wow, it's going to be a lower scoring game with Tennessee, and it wound up being 25-10 because the Vikings defense made a big play, multiple big plays in the game. They scored 14 points 
on two plays. So that helps. And then, and then special teams helped at least get a field goal from Cordell Patterson to Blair Walsh at the end of the day in that stance. So this one's going to be slightly higher scoring, i got to think. I'm going to go with the Vikings. You know, because the Packers, it's like they scored 27 on the Jaguars, but it's not that much. Um, in the back, wow, the Packers have to go on the road back-to-back games to start the season. That's good. <laughs> I'm going to go with the Vikings uh, 20, 27-24. I, yeah, that, that's what I'm seeing right now. I was going to go with 28, 27-24. The Minnesota Vikings defeat the Jacksonville, the, excuse me, the Green Bay Packers. And Blair Walsh, I mean, he'll be kicking indoors. He's back indoors again. We're happy for you, Blair. You're back indoors. So um, that's the hope at this stage. Please, Blair, please make your field goals, okay? Is it asking too much? Can he, can he get it done? Can, can you kick indoors and get it done here, Blair? Please. It would be greatly appreciated. Um, he'll be on the roster, it looks like. You're not hearing anything about him getting cut. But if he has a horrible horse shit game against the, pardon my language, against the Packers, he'll definitely be cut. That's another prediction. Urban legend, that's an old bit that I should use in the first segment. I'm going to use it now. Urban legend is, yeah, I mean, you make 50, when you make 50 yarders, yet you can't make extra points. What the hell, Blair, uh, Blair Walsh? That's definitely a uh, urban legend for me. I miss using that segment. That, it's not a segment even. It's just an award. That's going to go to uh, Blair Walsh for that. But I will go with the Vikings, 27-24 in the game. Very close battle. You're going to see Treadwell debut. You're going to see Peterson play better. You're going to see the Vikings defense be, you know, contain Rodgers enough that will win the game. Rodgers' accuracy has changed the last couple years. It has, and I talked about it in the last episode. He was only sacked once in the game by Jacksonville, and he still had a minimal uh, percentage. And And again, Jordy Nelson's not at this stage the receiver you thought he was. And if you see him break out in the game, well, then maybe the Vikings are in trouble. If you see Jordy Nelson break loose in this one, like he gets out of that rusty issue and uh, starts showing us the Jordy Nelson we saw before. They used to drive us absolutely nuts every single time we played the Packers. But um, that's a big key. That's a big key for me and going in Vikings defense. And, of course, I think Sam Bradford will be good enough to lead the Vikings to victory in the game and we'll be feeling very good about ourselves going into week number three with a 2-0 and record against the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> Gotta love that. First place Vikings at that stage, without a doubt. So with that, we'll take a break and come back for some fan interaction right after this. We are back here on Purple Mafia, segment number three, fan interaction segment, and of course the final segment of this week's episode. I hope you liked the George story at the uh, end of the first segment into the second one. I promise the, ne- the next one will be better. That one maybe, you know, I just wanted to start things out old, with, the, with the oldest one. I know that one isn't necessarily the funniest thing in the history of the world, but it, it was... It was pretty funny when you think about it. Walkside, what the hell? So <laughs> I thought I'd mention that just now. So let's, sorry. Let's go to the Twitter account, at Purple Mafia Show. At Purple Mafia Show. I'll go with the Twitter account. Haven't heard from Mad Martin yet, which is a bummer. So hopefully he's still out there. That's, of course, Gold Star Champion for 2015. Yes, sir. Uh, Tanae Brown was liking my tweets like crazy. Thank you so much. Uh, we're going to go back. Uh, this is going to be a few on here. Oh, yeah. Uh... Yeah, these were a few. Uh, Anthony J. Iverson followed me and then, of course, retweeted the show a couple of days ago, which is cool. That was the review. Oh, I did read these uh, Mad Martin ones. Yep, my bad. I actually already did read 
Z's. Yep, so we'll go with Tanae Brown, who was saying, Joey's been missy. Joey's been busy the last week. Don't miss this one. He's retweeting the show. Thank you so much, Tanae. Tanae's out of New Zealand. Yep, Tanae's out of New Zealand. Thank you so much. She says, uh, last few shows have been great, mate. Literally just finished listening to this one. Awesome once again. Thank you so much. She says uh, he was on his way out the door to the gym and got the notification. It was up. So it got me through. Thank you very much, Tanae. And there you go. There it is again. How you, um, th- That's the best time to listen to podcasts. You're working out, going for a walk, you're mowing lawns or something, you know, you can wear something to cover your, you know, you know, those, those, uh, those, uh, you know, those earmuffs that, that protect, uh, that keep sound out. Yeah. That type of thing. And then you have the earphones underneath. Very cool. I, I do it every day when I mow lawns. So listen to podcasts when I mow lawns in the mornings. So there you go. Um, <clears throat> yeah, you could be doing chores around the house, going for a walk outside, whatever it is. You can listen to podcasts very easily at any time, and it makes it better. So thank you, Tanae, and that's an example right there. Thank you so much. Um, yep, Anthony J. Iverson followed me and then also retweeted uh, episode one, uh, 219, which uh, Tanae also did, and Stephen Smith did. Thank you so much, guys. Stephen Smith's a, been a Purple Mafia Hall of Famer the past few years. Thank you so much, Dave Hickey. And Vince Germano also retweeting, uh, retweeting it. Thank you so much, guys, for uh, passing on the show. It's just greatly appreciated, and I can never, ever take that for granted. Never. Uh, Anthony Antonio Fett. Anthony Carlson, of course. Mark Carlson. Yep, related to Mark Carlson. He says, uh, I have no idea why Minnesota spent all that money and hype on Bradford just to start Hill. Yeah, it kind of bugged me a little bit, too. Luckily, Sean Hill performed strongly today. Uh, He was the Sean Hill that was solid during his career with Detroit and St. Louis. Um, so that's the part I appreciate. He even played with San Francisco a few years, solid there. Uh, he was he was the the old Sean Hill, which is good to see at the very least. But I mean, I can understand the frustration. Um, it's like maybe they just they wanted to be able to use Sam Bradford. Uh, they wanted to have him fresh and completely ready to go per se. Like know enough of the plays that he can basically be like a regular starting quarterback rather than a limited starting quarterback. That's the only reason I can imagine they did that. Also, they maybe they figured, okay, let's give Sean Hill a chance. This is a game that should be beatable anyway. Uh, the Vikings kind of gambled and won, thankfully. But things started so poorly in that first half that it scared the living crap out of me that it might have been a really dumb move and you need to put Sam Bradford in there in the second half. But, well, I mean, Hill was solid and the defense bailed us out. Thank God. They saved our asses. Um... I was saying, uh, WTF was that? Is it just me or is our tackling pretty awful so far? And that was during the course of that first couple drives there. The tackling, I mean, Eric Hendricks just missing, just missing royally along with other defenders along the way in that one. Very frustrating. Uh, MD says, it's not you. Yep, so yeah, the Vikings deep tackling was pathetic in my opinion. From the cheap seats, it's Kevin McMahon, a very familiar name out there. He says, of course it is, in terms of the, uh... Of course, it is a team not allowed to tackle anyone in practice. <laughs> so he's trying to trying to mock me a little bit there, but no, gotta love uh, Kevin McMahon. Thank you for that, <laughs> uh, Anthony Carlson. Oh, there's Matt Martin. There he is. There he is. Hey, buddy. <laughs> I was gonna say there he is. Yeah, because he always shows up on Twitter. There he is. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, we'll get back to it in a second. Um, I got him mixed up with Anthony Carlson there, but yeah, Anthony Carlson says. I think I'm stuck in a time loop. I feel like I just watched Blair Walsh miss an important field goal. Yeah, yep, <laughs> yes, you did. You did miss an important field goal, but yeah, there was the other one, and it just had happened. And Matt Martin says, 
I'm so zzzz, but after Walsh, I'm rrrr. Yep, he had the Z's for sleeping and then the red, angry red faces. Yeah, I mean, Walsh just, yeah, that'll wake anybody up. That won't wake anybody up. Maybe Mad Martin been working his butt off over there, very tired of late. Uh, Anthony Carlson continues saying, who needs more work, offense, defense, or special teams? I was like offense, uh, but the defense had been so disappointing in the first half, actually. I mean, the defense ultimately was yeah, was so disappointing in the first half, and luckily in that second half, I couldn't really, uh, you know, at the end of the day, the defense saved saved us. But yeah, I mean, the defense was letting us down a bit in that first half, but then the offense certainly wasn't doing jack diddly bleep. It was kind of all of them. Special teams, you know, they all rescued us in the second half, didn't they, Anthony? It, it was all of them. They all did a great job in the second half, or at least a very good job. Yet Cordell Patterson opened things up with special teams, and Blair Walsh actually made that kick, thank God, and the defense saved the day. So there you go. And, of course, timely good plays with Stefan Diggs and Sean Hill. And and uh, Kyle Rudolph, who missed a very catchable pass early in the game as well, which could have been a huge play. Mad Martin says that was a painful first half to watch, and that is uh, putting it lightly, my friend. Very lightly. That was uh, bullcrap. I was so pissed off. I mean, I, I had a, somebody call me. Okay, yeah, it was my mom and dad. They couldn't get over how pissed off I was when they called me. Because it's just, you know, I mean, and they didn't even realize that I was watching the game at the time. They were they completely forgot as a season opener. And um, they were wondering, why why is he so pissed off? And they're like, oh, well, we know why right away. It kind of dawned on them what it was. So there you go. And I got mad on uh, their Walsh after he missed the field goal right after, or the extra point, pardon me, right after... Uh, Eric Hendricks kind of got things going. Just just a little bit, a game-changing play. Joel Van White and Crom retweeting that one. Crom also, yep. I mean, I was, thank you for that, guys. <laughs> I was pissed off. Um, very pissed off at the moment. So that'll wrap up the Twitter section. I'll mention real quick, the phone lines are 209-736-7877, 209-736-7877. It is a voicemail. Do treat it as such. Mention which show you're calling into, which is, of course, Purple Mafia. And do your statement, shout-out, comment, question, whatever it is. And for those of you not living in the U.S., there's multiple ways to get on here as well with your voice. A audio submission via using your um, sound recorder on your smart device, smartphone, iPad, Samsung, Tab, whatever the heck, Galaxy, anything. You know, anything, you know, any smart device, basically. You record it for a minute or so and then email it to paladinolive at yahoo.com, paladinolive at yahoo.com. And then whatever the file is, I can always convert it to MP3 myself very easily. <laughs> Thanks to Zarmar. Zara said Zamar. I, I should give them a shout-out for that because it's helping this show. Thank you very much, Zamar. Uh, that's the name of the page, the web page, for converting files from something else to MP3. Thank you very much. <laughs> All you got to do is Google. You find it right away. Um, but I will... Uh, List the uh, the phone line, the email address, paladinolive at yahoo.com, all in the show description, along with the Twitter and Facebook accounts. There's also the call now button on the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Purple Mafia Show, facebook.com forward slash Purple Mafia Show, which I believe is universal. It'll go directly to the TSS line, and you can boom right away. I believe it works through Facebook Messenger to the Skype TSS line, which will go directly to Dylan, who will... Just, just send me the file, and boom, there you go. Terrific. 
There you go. That's universal, I do believe. You could call it from anywhere. Uh, pretty much if Facebook works, you can do it. <laughs> so there you go. Facebook.com forward slash Purple Mafia Show. Let's get on with things if humanly possible. Let's get caught up with things if humanly possible. We'll leave where we do where we left off. Episode 219, the season preview. Mark Carlson said he was downloading now, and thank you very much for that. Hope you liked it, Mark. Hope you liked it. Uh-huh. Bradford was saying he's excited to be here and get after it. I posted that. I think I already read it, but, um... Yep, I already read Dave's, uh, yep, comment there. Dave Hickey, thank you again for that. And I was saying, wishing our guy Teddy Bridgewater a very successful and stress-free surgery today. This was on Thursday, praying for a speedy and complete recovery. It turns out, and not surprisingly, that there was repairs on multiple ligaments in this surgery. They had to be repairs on multiple ligaments, but things are, they're expecting a full recovery. So they're not talking about how, oh my God, it's worse than we thought, blah, 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 blah. They didn't mention which ligaments, obviously ACL, yes, but they didn't mention MCL or whatever. I wouldn't be surprised if the MCL was one of them. Hopefully not the LCL too. Yikes. And the PCL is a big one as well. Uh, Tony Coleman listed the article that mentioned that about the successful surgery and the multiple uh, ligaments from Eric, uh, all that information from Eric Sugarman ultimately to, uh, yep, thank you very much, Star Tribune and Vikings and all that. And I posted it as well. Thank you again, Tony Coleman out of South Dakota. And I mentioned that today we will honor the lives lost. Yep, and this is 9 11. I should have done it at the beginning of the show. Gosh, I apologize. I was going to. Oh, today we will honor the lives lost and first responders on this 15th anniversary of 9 11. God bless the United States of America. And in honor of those that uh, lost their lives and those that saved lives and the first responders that risked their lives on 9-11, I will give them right now here a moment of silence. God bless you and thank you very much. Thank you very much indeed. I mentioned Xavier Rhodes was out. Nobody responded to that. Vikings in-game thread. All kinds of fun conversation. Sometimes I tend to dance around into the back. People were so excited about Hunter. Brett McCarthy, very active today, and I want to give him a huge hand. Thank you very much. Uh, Patrick Grant says defense. Blair Walsh lost his mojo. The defense really helped things out. But Hunter, yep, Mark Carlson and Brett McCarthy, thank you guys very much for being active and uh, having kind of interacting with me on Facebook on there. It wasn't as active today as it's been in, at times. But then again, sometimes years start slower, but that's okay. I mean, it doesn't have to be like 900 people on there. And I appreciate those of you that did come so much. I mean, you have no idea how much. <laughs> Brett McCarthy, great to have you around, along with Mark Carlson, the legend, and uh, Patrick Grant. Thank you. So now we go into the post-game conversation. Brett McCarthy out of South Dakota says, like our, uh, like our D and Diggs, Hill for good. For good, <laughs> no INTs. Yep, that was good. And no, uh, and then Walsh, question mark, question mark, question mark. Mark Carlson mentioned me in a comment somewhere. I should check that out. Uh, <laughs> just just popping up. What the heck, right? No. <laughs> Justin Mayor Henry out of Colorado. Same place that uh, Joe Kenda is from. Yeah, <laughs> Lieutenant Joe Kenda, if you watch ID Channel. Love that. Uh, maybe maybe Justin's heard of him. He says, uh, started off ugly, but I was happy with the end result. He'll look good. Diggs is on pace to have a terrific season, and yes, he is. Walsh, better shape up or ship out. 1-0 always feels good, and Walsh, better shape up immediately. I, th- I think he's at the end of the line here. Um, 
Oh, yeah. And I mentioned that people help. I'll say, I'm, I'm going to mention this. Uh, Mark Carlson's birthday is today as well. So happy birthday, buddy. I'm saying it on the air, too. I mentioned it on his page. I said, uh, happy birthday, my friend. And may the Vikings bring you victory. And he says, and it was. Thanks, Joey Wyden. You're welcome, buddy. Yep. Jeff Froyland out of Iowa says, something's wrong with Walsh. Other than that, things went well. Defense was strong and controlled the game. I'm not sure how this season is going to go yet, but today was better than expected. No boo birds in this house. Not today. Not this season. Roll with the D. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Sebastian Barton. Sebastian Barton. Sebastian Balls says, a win is a win considering week one last year. I'll take it. Yeah. After last year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This was this was very positive, very positive considering no Sam Bradford, no Teddy Bridgewater, Adrian Peterson didn't even get off the bus. I mean, I don't think he did. I mean, seriously. So, considering that to win twenty five to sixteen, not bad. I mean, I almost said ten, but it would have been ten. But you know, yeah, yeah, they had to get that touchdown late. But you know, yeah, they almost they almost could have got back in the game if they made that two point conversion. Patrick Grant, I'm gonna check something. Uh, probably. Woodbury. Okay, yep, he's from here. Woodbury. All right, Patrick Grant out of Woodbury here says the D was the hero of the day. Wall started off rough but settled in, but the coaches should have him on the hot seat. I agree. Diggs took a big leap to being a big-time receiver and a future star. Yes, yep. I remember somebody was mentioning, oh, if he gets 100 yards all season, he'll have an amazing year. But, yeah, I don't think he's that... I don't think he's quite that good. Uh, this was on one of the, uh, the fan lines out there, the post-game fan lines. I think it was the 1,500 one. But, yeah, I don't know if I'm ready for 1,600 yards just yet. I mean, I don't know if I'm ready to give him a 1,600-yard season just yet. But, hey, if, if he gets it, he gets it. I'm leaning towards more like 1,100-ish. Uh, Mark Carlson says, I, I'm I am still shaken by the first half. Oh, it was bad. Yep, different look in the third quarter. And Paladino Joey, is CP84 still an urban legend? Yes, but Blair Walsh got that award today. CB84 is absolutely an urban legend because it's pretty weird. Uh, he's 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 a strange cat, man. Strange. I says, wow, he ran a few routes and made some catches. One last comment. I could always forgive a missed field goal, but today wasn't excusable. Mark from Iowa. It was terrible. He could he he, he could kill us. Tony Coleman out of South. Dakota, who is pretty much an original Purple Mafia listener. I mean, as original as it gets, as far as I'm concerned. He says, no offensive points, only defense and special teams. Is this what we have to look forward to this season? I'm anxious to see what Bradford can do in Minnesota. And yes, that might be another way to uh, get things going here. And i got to say, Jimmy Garoppolo for Patriot Land. You know, because I tend to have Sunday Night Football on in the background. Jimmy Garoppolo is doing a hell of a job in his first uh, game. Well, not a hell of a job, but a very good job. Very strong performance. But uh, speaking of Sean Hill and such, this might have been the greatest uh, <laughs> create creation of public demand of all time for the Vikings. That might be one of the other reasons they uh, put Sean Hill in. is Not necessarily because Sean Hill sucks, but the fact that it wasn't as uh, dynamic as maybe it could be under uh, a true starting quarterback. The public demand for Sam Bradford might be really high now. Or, I mean, it's as high as it's ever going to be, I think. And uh, there you go. It's creating a demand and making more excitement. I, I have a feeling there's something with all this. Plus the fact they wanted to give Sean Hill a chance to, to start a game. I mean, it, it, in this situation, maybe they wanted Bradford to, to get a bit closer to being further along in the, in the playbook rather than have a dumbed-down offense, that type of thing. 
But uh, I'm really looking forward to it, Tony. Really looking forward to it. Remember how excited we were when Teddy was going to play his first game against Atlanta? I mean, oh my God, I was so excited. And he did not disappoint. And I think Sam Bradford will not disappoint against the Green Bay Packers. This time he's not a rookie. It's a 28-year-old uh, veteran, young veteran, going out there and hopefully can have a, a fairly breakout season for the Vikings and for himself. Ali from from NFL Spot. Yes, sir. Thank you so much for always posting those pages on there. He says, uh, great play by the D. Offense needs to get better, though. I agree. Jacob Ethrim says that this defense is incredible. I'm so impressed. Needs to work on, or excuse me, need to work on tack, uh, tackling a little better. Yeah, but I think that is fixable despite the good offense production. I was very impressed with Sean Hill. God forbid if Bradford goes down to, I would be comfortable with Hill. Plus this O-line. Oh, I want uh, why won't it load? There we go. It's, I'm trying to get to the Seymour. There we go. God, stupid thing, because it's at the bottom of the screen. I apologize. God forbid if Bradford goes down to, I would be comfortable with Hill. Plus, they, oh, this O-line also impressed me. And they were decent today. They weren't spectacular, but they were better than they have been. They're improved. The offensive line is improved. Thank you, God in heaven. Did the Vikes give up a sack today? I don't think so, but not sure uh, they did. Um... But it wasn't anything like last year. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm a little concerned about AP. I'm guessing the Titans were planning on Hill not planning, not I mean on Hill not playing well and focusing all their attention on AP. I know the Fox announcers said it takes him a while to warm up at the start of the season. If that's the case, I hope he's he is red for green for Green Bay. And yes, it does traditionally take. Uh, Adrian Peterson a little while to get going. He's he's had slow starts to a lot of seasons. Except for that one. But, uh, well, then again, even, yeah, even his great season, he started out kind of slow, to be honest. He, he actually did. So, it's one of those things. Chris Carter was kind of the same way back in the day, to be quite honest. Uh, I'm curious now. If I can get this to load. Huh. I, uh, I, uh, Wilmer. He's from Wilmer. Okay, cool. Jacob is from Wilmer. So, thank you. Welcome, welcome aboard. Welcome aboard, Jacob. Thank you very much indeed for that. Shoot, I want to make sure about something. I don't know why. I have to check something. <laughs> Am I giving Ali even the right uh, plug here? Like, oh, well, actually, yeah, there, it's over there. I, I don't want to screw him up, that's all. So, so, I'm going to reload this whole thing. It's my bad. So, with that, though, I mean, nice to see Sean Hill have a strong performance at the very least. Now, as we bounce over the visitor posts, pro football spot. I don't know why I called it an NFL spot, so I apologize, Ali. I wanted to get that right. If you're going to give a shout-out, you better shout-out to the right person. So, I apologize. Brent Jacobson says a nice post here, a nice long one. He says, this was about acquiring Sam Bradford, by the way. This was uh, written down on Tuesday, not that long ago. He says, for years, we as Minnesota sports fans have lamented our teams not being able to... Oh, I think I read this, but I'll read it anyway. It might have been... No, 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 I didn't read this yet. For years, we as Minnesota sports fans have lamented our teams not being willing to make a bold move in order to win and to improve the team. The Timberwolves finally did so by hiring Tom Thibodeau. The Wild appeared to have done so at least the second time in four years when they hired Boudreaux. I think this is much bigger than, uh, yeah, and, and arguably when they signed Parisian Suter. Yes, I agree. Uh, he says the Twins, well, we won't pile on them here. But, 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 I'm going to throw this in with the Twins. I'm going to give them credit for finally growing some balls and firing Terry Ryan. That does show sign. 
they just haven't made their hire yet. That's all. We're just waiting for the hires. Then we can officially go there. So you don't, we don't really need to pile on them. Um, and it's nice to see Brian Dozier approaching 40 home runs, though. Funny how he had all the like a home run like every day in a row for a while there. But now, right when he needs his 40th, it's not happening as much. But it'll come, I'm sure. That's <laughs> a big, big milestone that seems to be avoiding the Twins forever. But um, still, <laughs> still, it's the most home run since uh, Harmon Killebrew, regardless, <laughs> in the early 70s there. Um, but they had the balls to fire Terry Ryan, Brent. Uh, that, that, that's a good thing. It's a very good thing, I think. That, that's a sign. Uh, the Vikings, he's, uh, Brent continues after I rudely interrupt. It says, the Vikings, in my opinion, saw they are in position to win now. Instead of falling into a woe-is-me mindset when Teddy got hurt, they made a bold move like we've been craving for other Minnesota teams to do. Yes, the price was high for Sam Bradford. Yes, he's had trouble staying healthy for an entire season. His numbers aren't the greatest. However, he has a good to really good arm, good accuracy to boot. Yeah, he is arguably the best offensive line he's ever had. He's never had a good one, and by far the best running back he's ever had. And the receivers and tight ends look solid. Overall, I like the move, and I like it as well, Brent. I like it as well. And you got Stefan Diggs, who clearly is a number one receiver. A steal of the draft of epic proportions. Epic proportions. I mean, just wonderful. Maybe Treadwell will come around. Maybe Charles Johnson will get his butt in gear. Charles Johnson's a weird guy. He's weird. I I, I don't know. Uh, uh, and I'm sorry if the show's dragging a little bit. It's kind of on me a little bit here. But yeah, it's a season opener, a lot to talk about. Uh, the Ali posting a Pro Football Spot article about how it was a flashback Friday. The Vikings beat the Titans 30-7 to in 2012. I remember that. That was fun. Christian Ponder had a whale of a game that day. That was a fun one. That was against, yeah, that was against the old school quarterback there in um, Matt Hasselbeck. I'm almost blanking here, but yeah, it was Matt Hasselbeck. I'm looking right at his face, and it's like it's not coming out. And I apologize. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing there. But, um, yep, it's like, yeah, it's Hasselbeck, Hasselbeck, duh. So it's another number eight in Mariota. And uh, Ali posting an article there predicting the Vikings versus Titans. Thank you for keeping the page going, Ali. You know, I, I, I post on there. I try to keep up. But these articles are very, very welcome. Pro football spot. Um, be, yeah, thank you always for that. So that'll wrap things up for the fan interaction. It's been a fun one, guys. I've really enjoyed doing this show for you today. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope I haven't been too weird, too crazy, rusty, whatever the heck you want to call me. It's my first football game review in six months. So it is what it is. (laughs) We're back to talking real football games again, not just assessing this and that, this and that, and off-season news. So it's great to be back. Thank you again. And my God, what wonderful weather this is. (laughs) Can it just stay like this forever? Like, upper 70s and very, very breezy. Oh, my God. We actually might get dry grass again. There might actually be dry grass again. I mean, it's rained the whole damn summer. It's been humid the whole damn summer. Can we just stay this way? Dew point, low 50s, upper 40s. Just stay this way forever. I hope so. It's, it looks like it's going to be a wonderful dry week, and thank God for that. And then you get to have a very fun Sunday night. Though I hate waiting for those games with a passion, and I'll probably not be able to record the show right away, but we'll see. I'll see what I can work out. It'll probably end up having to be sometime in the week. Ah, I'm going to have a hard time with it, but we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. It'll get out. It'll get out. Um, we'll get out what we can. <laughs> yeah, it's, got, it's, it's weird, but um, we'll, we'll, we'll see. It'll, I'll probably hopefully get it out Monday night or Tuesday night next week. That's just kind of a little, uh, little uh, FYI for you going into the week. So until then, do take care, and let's beat those Packers, baby.
Before I leave, though, I can't forget to give a shout-out to Sebastian Balls, of course, and uh, Drew Bunting and Reggie over there. Reggie Adams of Purple Press Box. Got to give you guys a shout-out. Great podcast. Do check it out on Spreaker. Spreaker. That's how you can listen to that. Of course, you know who Sebastian Balls is. He's been a Purple Mafia Hall of Famer overall. Drew Bunting's executive producer. Reggie Adams is the co-host. And I got to give a shout-out to MN Vikings Haven for uh, allowing me to post on their page. It's a nice Facebook page. Very respectful. Very fun. And Trevor Wickerin is a great, great guy. He's the guy who's the owner of that Facebook page. Do check it out and join it. If you could, greatly appreciate it. I've noticed some of you guys have joined it, so there you go. So, Trevor, I have given you some guides, so <laughs> I'm not just posting on there uh, and uh, not doing my part. So, thank you so much, and we'll see you again. <laughs>